Brain Katie Podcast, episode 482. How's my Sarah? Woo! I'm feeling good. good. It's pouring rain in California and I love it. It's raining? Like thunder and lightning, torrential <gasps> downpour. Oh my God, guess what I did? I left my hunter boots outside because that's didn't. like where I garden. They were filled up to the mid-shin. What? For real? Yeah, for real. Like, I can't believe how much rain there is. I do love a thunderstorm. I love it too. I was so mad. Ren woke up early and he was like, ooh, it was, and, and I, and then I woke up probably at like 5.30, so still pretty early. And, uh, and he was like, oh, you missed it. There was thunder and lightning. And I was like, yeah, come oh. on. I was so mad. I was like <laughs> mad that phone. I missed it. Like, you didn't wake me up. He's like, I didn't know that at 4.30 in the morning, you'd want me to make you up for thunder and lightning. Wow. I bet it <laughs> was so like, cool. Yes. Yeah, right? He said he thought it was like car lights like or like a fire engine outside or something because like, you know, we're in the city. And wow. so like I'd never experienced lightning in a city before. So That I is so fun. Now. Yeah. Interesting. How are you, Suze? I'm okay. Yeah. I wanted to give you a, a report on a few things. Let's see. What did I watch? We talked about Soul, but um, I watched on HBO Max at the behest of Christy, our brainiac. Oh, she loves Christy. A Bee Gees documentary, which was super oh, fun. Oh, I heard this was really good. It was great. I loved it. I love a rockumentary. Rockumentary. <laughs> I love that word. Um, well, you know, the only bad thing was that because there's only one um, Gib remaining, um, mm. including Andy Gib, that means that a lot of the footage of like interviews was from their behind the music. Because it was like they mm. used the footage from the people who had passed away to supplement the... That was the only thing I was like, well, yeah. I already saw that behind the music, so... Uh-huh, uh-huh, But, my God, their music still slaps. Yeah, isn't it funny how, like, like what... The good ones are just that they stand the test Timeless. of time. They know the, the, the equation. Yes, that magical equation. What's your favorite Bee Gees song? Um, I've been really into jive talking and <gasps> jive how deep talking. is your how deep is your love? Um, I think that's one of the greatest love songs ever written. Oh, that's beautiful. And the harmonies, I mean, transcendent. Yeah, and just I, like uh, good costumes too. Well, you know how I feel about whenever family members sing together, it's special, and they have yeah. their voices. Um, yeah. It just creates this harmony that can't be done unless you're related. You know what? I never really thought about that, Susie. Yeah, like I think you've said that, but I've never really thought about like what that could mean. And then you think about that there could be some biological design. I would love to know because is that yeah nature would provide that (laughs) right? Like the magical voice box. Because don't you, like, don't you, you as a mom, don't you think you would know Lincoln's mom in a crowd of, like, I don't know, however many kids yelling mom? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you can hear his, like, like I don't the know, pitch there's or something the timber to or that. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. And then you get all of that together. It would make sense because, you know, if you were, like, 
biologically what would happen um you know like people need to be able to recognize like the calls from their own yeah yes that's a good point evolutionarily yeah and Mm -hmm. evolutionarily there would be an like advantage to that so we probably have that built in and don't even realize it or maybe people do hello that's why the hansons can crush it yeah the hansons jackson five beach boys um Um, jonas brothers love them (laughs) right i mean there is something about it, and it just and if makes they're not all singing special. together, they're all singing. Les Cyrus, I'm thinking Miley Cyrus, and not like there's like oh, don't her family. Mm-hmm. I don't know why my mind went to Miley Cyrus all of a sudden. You know what? Something she's always on my it. mind. I do really like her. that song her. Malibu. I think is amazing. I think I like think musically, a lot of her songs are amazing. It's one, It's so beautiful. It's so like has that haunting kind of sound too. Yeah, I think people don't give her enough credit, or maybe they do, and I just am hanging out with the wrong people. But I mean. She kind of undermines her own legitimacy sometimes, but it but it's part of that. her it's charm. Like part, yeah, it's like yeah. part of the creative. Like, don't tell me what to fucking do. Yeah, because she shows do. herself like, like warts and all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, the Bee Gees doc is great. You should watch it if you're into music and you know family discord. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I am. And who I am. isn't? Then I watched. Oh, on Netflix, that docu series called The Ripper. Oh, was that good? Do I need uh-huh. to watch that? Yeah, let me Ooh, give you a heads up. You said up. it with like a sly. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Ripper. That was okay. Because I thought Susie. when I pushed play, I thought it was going to be about Jack the Ripper, but it was about the Yorkshire Ripper, which was an English serial killer from, you know, like 30 years ago. And wow. um, it's a series. And like the first couple episodes, it was like, okay, it's just like a normal um, true crime whatevs and it was like and then he killed this person then he killed this person (laughs) but when it really got good for me was when they showed how all of the investigators trying to find this guy were men and all Uh of the journalists covering it were men and it framed the public's Mm. perception of of who he was what kind of person he was and like who the victims would be and mm-hmm. they did such a good do- job of deconstructing that system and showing how that caused a lot of problems in the investigation and how wow. they probably would have found him so much earlier if they hadn't had these biases against like prostitutes and the, yes. you know, cause they always do that. They always talk about like, you know, th- she had loose morals. Why was she out at Ugh. night or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of focusing on the facts of the crime right. and stuff, once they started including those cultural elements, I was like, "Ooh, now we're interesting." Talking. Yeah, because that's this is yeah. I mean, that's what we see still all the time with coverage all, of. Since you know, I am reminded, one of the things that I had meant to share with with you guys here a long time ago, and it's been kind of like I don't know on the back of my mind. I've recently read a bunch of articles about discoveries that are being made of hunting tools and scars are like um uh uh skeleton skeletal remains of like really old bones and stuff of women that show signs that they were in battle or that they Mm. were like had all these male jobs and we've talked about this before like there was like pottery workers or like arts and crafts in some i can't remember where Mm -hmm. But all of the discoveries before and all the writings about these 
cultures and these these you know ancient um, civilizations have been written from the perspective of men from a male dominated society from a and now we're looking at things through like a more open-minded lens and being like wait a sec mm-hmm. they no it's not a men hunt and women sit they the, this female was a hunt a hunter that was rewarded with all of this like and buried with all these and it changed it's like flipping the script so i feel like this right. is kind of like that that our history is not is not actual history it's whatever the people writing the history or the journalists yeah. or whatever are are it's from one perspective yeah usually a white male one yeah heterosexual male one and that the heteronormative dominant discord right everything that we're taught is through a very specific lens Mm -hmm. and then we don't get the full story it's distorted right and so that's what i liked about it was like oh this is still going on it's still relevant (sighs) and it's just good to remind yourself that we all have biases and that like you know if you're aware of them then you can work to work against them you know Yeah, I remember just last week when I was uh, uh, telling you I read that article and then I just assumed that the male, the researchers were male because they had pictures of men within the article. And I was yes. just like, oh, those, there were sort of stock images. Oh. And I had to be like, oh, wait, they weren't even images of that, them. It was just like stock images of somebody doing an experiment, holding a clipboard. And we're mad about it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but we're aware of our own biases, our biases and our, right. our you know. Yes. I mean, maybe we'll have like a brain candy baby boom. All the listeners. Oh my God. Could you us, imagine? Everyone's just going to be super fertile and pregnant. Then I could make the book Experimenting on Babies part <laughs> of our book club pick. What is that book? Oh my gosh. It's really funny. It's like experiments that you can do with babies, like things that, oh, that are great. all normal. It's like the grip, t- you know, like the finger, yeah. the, the, those things. And it's like things that are natural, like reflexes for your baby that you can. And it's funny. I haven't even cracked That's it That's a great yet, idea. I remember I saw that and I was like, oh, I'm definitely buying this. <sighs> okay. Well, this is like if you do have a baby and it grows up to be a dude, this, yeah. is, this could happen to you. This is the story that I read and I wanted to know your opinion on it. <laughs> if it grows up to be a dude, this could happen. This okay. could happen. Listen to this. A yeah. judge said a man could sue his parents for destroying his, quote, irreplaceable porn collection. And it included 12 boxes of pornography, two boxes of toys, and then, like, some DVDs and stuff. And oh, for fuck's sake. This, <laughs> this bozo... Moved out of his parents' house the year before. And this is a guy, I think he was, yeah, I, I think he was around my age, like 40. Okay. Oh. And he had moved out of their house the year before. And they kept saying to him, you need to come get your, your porn. <laughs> oh my God. Like, we don't want it here. No. And he didn't. So they destroyed it. And now he's saying they were worth $25,000. Oh, for, it's the, listen. You know how a car loses its value by like 50% when you drive it off the lot? I'll tell you, the devaluing of, or the, 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 whatever that word is, of sex toys is way greater than 50%. Right. Those They're things worthless. do not become more valuable. Thank right? you, sir. Not on anything, not, not with you using them. I think Come that he on. was claiming... That I don't know about the toys, but at least the images 
were, okay. you know, well, yes. rare or vintage or something. Like he yeah, was but acting that wasn't like, as good for that joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying like, but even so, I can't believe the judge agreed. I it's their You house. know what? Was the judge male? Yeah. I'd check his porn collection. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. He's just a fellow connoisseur. <laughs> connoisseur. Golly. <laughs> But to me, it's like, it's their home. And they said, if you don't pick it up, like any landlord, if I leave something and I move out, doesn't become theirs? Yeah. There's got to be a rule or law on that. There should be. That, that I would, I mean, oh God. ah, I hate this guy. What an idiot. Is your feeling that he knows it's not a valuable collection, but he is just pissed at his parents and this was a way to... Get back at them or what? I mean, I think it, it doesn't sound like they have the relationship where this guy's like, <laughs> you know, this is a cultural thing and he's staying at home because that's like how they do it in no. his family. This sounds more like Incel. the deadbeat guy who's living. It. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I wish that or wouldn't it have been nice? I don't wish anything upon this person because I don't care that much about this dude. Uh, but I wouldn't it be nice if he would put the same amount of energy into, I don't know, finding a job and getting <laughs> your own place that you did into suing your parents? Stop jerking idiot. off all damn day, weirdo. I mean. And if ugh. it's so important to you, pick it up. Pick it up. Mm-hmm. Like, all what's right. the rule on that? I'm glad we're on the same page here. I'm mad at the judge. Yeah, me too. I feel like I'm missing part of the story. I'm definitely 100% missing part of the story. That should, there's something going on. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. I like this story. This was in Smithsonian. This was about the um, center or warehouse or whatever it is that the U.S. Postal Service has where they send mail that they can't read the address. Oh. It's so fun. Like they have a whole system for dealing with bad handwriting. Suze, I uh, was scared that your Christmas card was going to go there. <laughs> I re- I misread my own writing and put the incorrect first letter of your your city. You did? On- Correct. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm yes. glad it arrived. But Me too. Maybe I was it, like, wow. Maybe it was Didn't routed was through happen. this Utah building. So You're tell like- me what's in there. Well, they were saying that like f- there's about 40 million pieces of, um, wait, what is it? Two Like 2% of wow. all mail is illegible for one reason or another. And then that's greater oh, no. during the Christmas season, of course. And then um, they have this whole system. And so if they really can't figure it out, they send it to this square f- uh, 78,000 square foot branch and... It deciphers it through computer, but if your handwriting is too old timey, like your grandma's, yeah. like an ornate script, then yes. like then they have to do they they send it to this remote encoding center, and then if that can't figure it out, then they have to send it to the dead mail warehouse. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. And then this is what I did not know. Like, they really can't figure it out. They will open up the mail and look for clues, which is so weird wow. to me. Like, come on. It's probably not that important. And oh. then 
Um, worst case scenario, they give up and then they sell the stuff that is associated. Like if it's a package, yeah. they sell it at an online auction. Where is this auction? Right. That's what I want to know. GoPros, laptops, watches, robotic kits, whatever. Wait. We're missing is out it? is what I'm saying. How do we find out about they this? They did not share. Maybe they're keeping oh it to themselves. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, that's like a food critic writing all about this amazing restaurant and that and not telling us where it is. That is so true. You is I, your job. I just, I guess I can't. I'm, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense because packages are can be illegible too. But like, if you were going to pack up a laptop and send it, wouldn't you go ahead and make sure your printing was legible? Uh I'm thinking, okay, my grandma, towards the end of her life, Mm -hmm. was very committed to doing things on her own. (sighs) And I received a lot of Christmas cards with, like, she would would know how to do it if she got a good head start and, like, got... Like the card was in the right direction. But sometimes, like, she would open it up and then it would be... A, full, a card that folds horizontally and not vertically, but she couldn't see that. So she was like blind in her old age, mm-hmm. but she'd still write. And then towards the end of her life, the letters started going over one another and she would write on top of the old, you know, the previous word. Right. And she definitely mailed me stuff that I guarantee you is in that building. <laughs> Had to be routed through Utah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. There's a lot of people with messy handwriting. Yeah. Like, what is your opinion about whether or not we should continue teaching kids cursive? I'm going to need to look at some studies on what that does for the brain. If there's something mm. about connecting the letters, mm-hmm. I could see that being advantageous in some way. Yeah. I don't know. Because I so do you- know... That like, writing is more important than typing. The, you need to learn how to, you need to write things. So your answer wouldn't be d- determined by whether or not like you're not in it just for the sake of it. You don't believe no. just teaching it because the, the previous generations had to learn it. No. <laughs> no. What's, In fact, that's my biggest reason for questioning something. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I write in cursive, like it's as if I'm writing in another language. Lincoln has no idea what it says. So maybe it comes in handy. Yeah, send secret messages. I mean, <laughs> he's always like, I don't. He's know talking what in Spanish says. without uh, <laughs> right. me having any idea what he's talking about. I pick up a few words here and there. He talks to my mom, mm-hmm. like in full conversations they have, and they giggle. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Stop talking about me. Yeah, so payback's a bitch, yeah. Lincoln. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when my mom discovered Lincoln knew Spanish, and she was like, okay, let me test him. Okay, and she asked him in Spanish, point to the oldest person in the room. And he just was silent and pointed at my mom, and he goes, she goes, damn, he is good. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was one of my favorite moments of Lincoln, like saying nothing and just pointing at her and giggling. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, both of you are being hilarious. Uh, okay, do you want to know? This is fun. I read about... I'm always into Pompeii discoveries. It's just... Oh, I think we saw the same thing. Did you use a snack cool. bar? Yes. Did you watch the video? No, did you? Yeah, and like Tell me everything. It was so beautiful and it's really freaky because it was from, you know, 79 AD and like they referred to it as like fast food of the time. But I mean, basically it was just like um 
you know, an outdoor kiosk or something where you could go and get snacks. And they had beautiful illustrations of like chickens and dogs and stuff. And then because of the nature of Pompeii, what makes it so fun when they do a discovery is that, you know, things are preserved as they were at that moment. And so there were pots with chicken and snails and pigs and goats and fish and all this stuff. And then we can better understand like the Mediterranean diet, what what they ate back then. You I know, just thought it was I, I cool. didn't even get I didn't even have the option of a video. Oh I wanna see that. It was just that stills. was on the Guardian. Website. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to check that out. That yeah. is super cool. I was like it's you know how it is like whenever someone modernizes or colorizes um black yes. and white photos or video? Ugh. That's what it feels like. Well I feel like we forget how art like ruins look like that because they're ruined (laughs) think they didn't look like that before you know like i saw a reimagined uh not even reimagined but like a a, imagined i should i guess whatever the right term for this is Mm -hmm. um mock-up of how the pyramids of egypt would look and they're like like sparkly white like sleek shiny really that's what they look like back then that's what they say they would look like they would be they they look like textured like that because it's it's been like polished with stand weathered over time but there's the the like assumption that everything would be really like sleek and smooth and feel like marble almost and like you know that's wild. I have no idea. I never thought but, about yeah, that. That if you think about what it looked like at the time, like what things looked like, the frescoes in all of their color, and it's crazy. Things didn't look like. It's just so weird how blank like and white. Even when you watch home or news footage from like the seventies or eighties, like I on that Ripper documentary, a lot of that was from the seventies. It's like they're not the same. The people. No. I hate that. I can't put my finger on what it is. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was the affect. It must be. But you mean then like the you filming? Can't... Like the but, filter? No, oh, 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 that too. Effect. Or do you mean like the but people? But I mean the, the, the people. like the, the, But then I'm thinking themselves. But then we have videos without sound and I still get the same feeling. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think it's how they talk. But that can't be it because... And then I guess it's like hairstyles. Yeah. And so whenever you do have a something that makes old-timey stuff seem current, it's mm-hmm. jarring. Yes. Like, it's whoa, so weird. They're people like us. I know. They eat oh. snack bars. Snack and just like all the same stuff. Not mm-hmm. much has changed. I mean a lot, everything. But <laughs> like... I don't know, you know? Everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. God, isn't that just what this whole time, like a whole year has felt like? Like Uh since the entire being in in whatever lockdown situation it is. Yeah, when we, before we started recording, we were talking about just the holidays past and everything. Like on one hand, we are sort of simulating normal life. Oh, it's Christmas and we're going to give out presents and all that. But like, I can't decide whether I think that's good that people are maintaining some sort of semblance of normalcy mm-hmm. or whether it really isn't great because it tricks our brains into thinking everything's fine when it's not. You know what I'm saying? Mm. 
I'm going to go with the first. Well, I hope so because that's I think so. more pleasurable for sure. Yeah, and because it creates a little bit of the routine. And, like, because I could imagine if you just, it, it like, you know, if Nostradamus' predictions came through and there were a zombie apocalypse and this were the aftermath in some dystopian universe, a string of Christmas lights would feel very good to put mm-hmm. up. Okay. And so if that feels good in, like, a dire situation, then, you know, embracing it in okay. one we'll that's stick like with rituals then. Uh, yeah, I'm for a ritual. Well, me Valentine's too. Valentine's Day, and I'm that's... like, eh, on. you can probably get rid of that. All right, moving on. Um, what else? Oh, I thought this was interesting. In the New York Times, they did a quick little article about, like, how chess has become popular again oh, because of the Queen's cool. Gambit. Yes, um, I love this. Do you watch that Oh, Suze, it was so good. What is this all about? You have to see it. You will feel so seen. You right. will. I mean, minus the whole, you know. Well, I won't say anything. But oh my God. You will feel seen for being a different kind of girl mm-hmm. than, like, just how us on the, the show, on the challenge. Did you feel seen? Yes. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Well, they were saying that um, the sales of chess sets have gone up um, 125% because of the show. I love this. And they were saying that if you buy a fancy chess set, over half the price is just paying for the creation of the knights, the four knights in the set, because they're the only ones that can't be created, like, mass-produced. They have to be hand-whittled or whatever, Um, and it takes six hours each for each piece. Wow! And, like, I, I didn't ever think of this, but... They were saying, you know, maybe you just like the look of these ornate pieces, but in tournament play, milliseconds matter. And so the, how the piece fits into your hands is really important. So yes. they make a big fuss about making sure that they're whatever shape that is ideal for like, cause if you make your move and you drop the piece and then you press the clock before standing the piece back up then you've effectively cut your opponent's time and then you could lose the game under some tournament rules. So they're saying like, that's part of why this is such a big deal. Yeah. But who knew the Knights were so like, I did not. And I love that there was something that was designed that cannot be created with a machine. Yeah. Like if you want to look nice, you have to do it by hand. Yeah. So there you go. That is, and I, I'm, I like, you know, I like a good rule. Like I like a, you know, how I'm I'm open to cursive or to getting rid of cursive, not mm-hmm. open to changing the rules of right chess and and these kind of traditions. Yeah, you don't like cutting corners, right? All right. Mm-hmm. Well, then I read, kind of keeping on the same like game type of thing. I had read the history of puzzles, and that was fun. Oh, cool! I got and a puzzle for Christmas. What kind? A jigsaw puzzle, different kind, but like not like a puzzle like that, but What's a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, uh, plants. Oh my god! It's well, so that's beautiful. Be hard. And it's a thousand pieces. Oh, no. Maybe. Yeah. Question mark. Question mark. And We're I told Ryan when I was done, I love puzzle. it. Right, big puzzle. I told him it's so beautiful. I wanted, I want to like cover it with resin and like hang it, yeah. like frame it. It's so pretty. That's what I used to do. I used to put puzzle really? glue on all my puzzles and frame. There's them. puzzle glue. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Sue. This is a cool. whole thing. Yeah. Whole thing. 
Okay, well, so tell me about the history of puzzles. Well, that's actually the fact that you said plants. I, that's one thing I really never thought about, like, what... Because I feel like there's a puzzle for everything. There's a puzzle for every movie and whatever. Oh, yeah. But, like, the pictures on puzzles are a really uh, cool way that we can understand, like, what's soothing to people. I never oh, thought about it. Oh, my God. That is so true. Like, for the most part, I know there's scary ones, too, or, like, weird all Yeah, but you wouldn't color. buy that for somebody who to be soothing be into that yeah the, like who pe- the people who are buying might, might find some kind of strange comfort True. in that yeah they were saying that it makes sense that people are super into it during covid and that people were very much into puzzles during the great depression for the same mm-hmm. reason it's like gives you a sense of purpose when you everything's out of control but when they were first created they called them dissected maps They were invented in Georgian-era England, probably by a map maker in the early 1760s. And I can see that invention coming to life. Really? I can imagine that in his head. Like, if you're a map maker, you're somebody who's taking information and putting... You're essentially creating a puzzle Mm -hmm. with the information that you see out in the world mm-hmm. and putting it on a piece of like something right in front of you. Yeah. Well, and yeah. back in the early days, they were made of wood and mm-hmm. they were, so they were expensive and they were for the super rich and they would do them at their vacation homes and like lavish house parties. Can you imagine going to a party and just doing a puzzle? I mean, Actually, I yes, kind of can. I would yeah, be totally into that party. Thinking. That sounds like my favorite party. <laughs> yeah. And um, they employed primarily women to produce the puzzles. This was Parker Brothers. And mm. they claimed that it was because women had smaller hands and so they were more nimble. But really it was because they could pay them less. Oh, <laughs> God. I've I been sold a bill of goods with that line because I've heard that a million times. But you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. Follow the dollar. That's what it really is. Yeah. So that Fucking was annoying. Night. It said women were paid piecework until the federal minimum wage was enforced in 1937 and were expected to cut at least 1,400 pieces per day. And, Jeez. Uh, yeah. And, and early on, it was mostly like advertising images like Coca-Cola or whatever. And oh, then, yeah. Yeah. Then it turned into more like nostalgic, romantic, exotic stuff to soothe people during the depression and now during covid and that's exactly and i got the most soothing thing and that's i got books on plants and plant puzzle do you have a favorite plant oh my gosh ren asked me the same question uh (laughs) yes i like the monstera and what does that look like it looks like a big elephant ear kind of and i'm yeah i'm particularly fond of the swiss cheese monstera Mm. that has the big holes in it I and the can big picture leaves. it. Yes, and it's a climber, so you can it, you you can like really get that one going and keep it growing. You know, the one that I have that you gave me it, that's really big is also a climber, and I'm going to put a post in it. Cover like I one of the books that I got has this really cool tutorial on how to take like um, any uh, any vine like plant that has like the little nodes that can climb or like create Mm -hmm. a vine or like grow like that and you create a moss post with like 
that sphagnum moss and some um, uh, chicken wire, and it'll just keep growing up, 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 and like grow onto the moss, and it like like it's a tree, like I, you That's know, adorable. like it grows on the side of trees in the jungle Aww. and stuff. So you basically like create your own tree trunk, and it'll just keep growing up it and get freaking huge, like thirteen feet tall. And like, what do you think is making you love plants more every day? I think there's something about it showing the passing of time. Yeah. And then you're also caring for something. It makes you feel like, like to me, it's like a reminder to care for myself as well. You know, Mm. I'm like, water for them, water for me, you know. And um, (laughs) then it's fun to to make, like create, it feels like you're creating life, you know. Mm -hmm. And just like watching something, you know, diagnosing something Mm -hmm. and... And like, like oh, what's wrong with the leaves? And, you know, luckily you after my quarantining. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Sometimes, yeah, it's weird. I haven't, but I know what they are. <laughs> like the one you gave me is definitely a dude. But my fiddle leaf is definitely a She's female. She's a lady. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Did we talk Moody about, I think we have, too. do you think that letters have a gender not as much, but you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wondered if if you had. Yeah, that the gender one wasn't wasn't ever really a thing for me <laughs> as much as the like numbers and colors. Maybe that's right. Took over. Maybe that's why because you had something else I'm to organize. To think them. what does it? No, because it would be very like it's like definite either is or is it's not even like a, i have to think you know with the right, colors it's yeah. like i don't have to think you exactly. know you don't have to think right yeah yeah right, see right. that's how you know that this shit that is so cool the brain is so crazy i just wish i knew because i only have a few girl letters a v k s um A-V-K-S. like why but wh- why why are there so few i don't know susan yeah but you know what those are all ones that ha- have that v shape that mm. is very reminiscent of a vagina. <laughs> okay, well, and okay, V is essentially lady. two V's. V, yeah. lady, R no, w, has no. it in there. W's no. a boy. Oh. So mm. I don't know. Something to think about there. <laughs> All right, next I want to talk about. Hmm. What do I want to talk about? I want to talk about love. Oh, I did read this book called Killing Patient Zero. Oh. No, I take that back. The documentary is called Killing Patient Zero. The book, ooh, I forget. I feel feel like I've heard of this. I've heard this. What is this? Well, so we all know like what patient zero means or implies, but I sure as heck didn't know the origin was when they were still trying to figure out what the heck was going on with HIV and AIDS. Um, and they they knew that there was this, quote, gay cancer, um, mm. but they really didn't understand how it was transmitted or whatever. And so they were doing these studies to find, like, this guy had it, then then this guy got it, and he slept with him. So they were doing these cluster studies to find how things mm-hmm. were transmitted. And when they were doing it, the, the one study was in Los Angeles, and they ended up including this guy named Gaetan Dugas, who was a man from Quebec who was a flight attendant. And he um, 
was included in the cluster study because he had slept with some people that whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was called patient O, like the letter, which mm-hmm. meant out of California. It was just to show that he wasn't from the area. Mm-hmm. But somebody mistook the wow. the designation and thought it was a zero. And because he was more on the promiscuous side, oh, he, he became God. seen as the guy that brought it to the U.S. from Canada or from wherever. And that <sighs> he became the person that they blamed AIDS on. Oh, my God. And it's so tragic because he didn't bring AIDS, you know. There is no, like, mm. one person. Right. And, like, I just can't believe that this was real and that this one well, guy... We and we very widely accept that term. Right. Without and ever, que- like, going, What oh does that mean? God. Yeah. It is a a... A actual like like misread right letter mistaken right and and it was you know it when you have like we said before when you have biases and you're inclined to think oh you know gay guys are promiscuous or whatever it is have these preconceived ideas then straight guys are promiscuous (laughs) right right (laughs) um you know and. And he was, and he did travel, God. and yeah. he was really handsome, and, you know, it was the 70s, club, you know, yeah. Studio 54, that whole vibe of, like, sexual liberation right. without, yeah. They um, were just looking for somebody to really... Yeah, point the finger at. Yeah. And, like, it made it clear to me that the cluster studies really weren't about how do we prevent this it was like who can we blame oh god you know what and I, and, and yes. it made it such a good point about how we we're seeing it now with coronavirus like yes the outsider is blamed so like china was blamed um it's much easier to blame like some, and this guy was you know french canadian so it was like this outsider comes in and you know gets his germs everywhere and it's dirty right. and Right. And that's how we do whenever we're scared and there's a pandemic or there's, you know, gay cancer, whatever it is. And it's oh human God. nature. But to actually see it systematically and, in, you know, in hindsight, how it happened and how this became the narrative for decades. Mm. Yeah. So now how is this information changing the way we're looking? It is this information changing the way we're looking at that? It's definitely changed the way scientists do these studies and like contact tracing because even on this one chart that they did for patient quote zero, um, they showed who each person slept with, but they didn't have any directionality for like he gave it to him. And Mm -hmm. so you don't know, of course, like if you sleep with someone who gave who, who the other thing, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to know who caught it from whom. And so they're doing a better job of, like, making the graphs and doing the studies to be more clear. Um, But in this case, the damage was done. And, of course, he passed away. But, like, his family had to deal with this idea that their loved one was being blamed for 
That's so sad. So sad. Because even if it, that, oh my God, that's Mm -hmm. so fucked up. I read the book and then I want to watch the documentary. I think it's on iTunes. You can rent it because the people that were around at that time talk about what it was like and why they got it, you know, wrong and how this guy was the scapegoat. It's fascinating, but it's tragic. It really is. But informative. It really makes, like, we got, we have to know. We have to know so that those mistakes, you know, and just question where we're just getting this, like, I just feel like we are learning so much about how, and this always happens, this is what happens with knowledge in general, but, you know, just things that we just take as, as, I don't know, widely accept, you know, I think Mm -hmm. about the 10,000 hours rule. Yeah. Or... MSG is terrible for you. Mm-hmm. And we're like, it's like, or, I mean, d- d- really dangerous things like the vaccine, co- like vaccines, co- and there's a link to autism. No, definitely not. Like mm-hmm. this misinformation just takes off like wildfire mm-hmm. and is so hard to, it's like, oh, so hard to trust things. It makes sense on why it happens because humans search for these easy answers okay like he did it that guy did it instead of it the fact that it was likely um something that happened simultaneously in various areas and you know that's harder to understand it's easier to be like that guy's the bad guy and he did it yes we hate him um we have to teach like like uh uh, what's it called critical how to look at something with a critical eye my god that is the number one thing i want to tell people like yeah I want to teach a class on like how to find good sources, how to know what you should, Susie. <laughs> that for real, that is should be a class. Like that's as close as the closest I ever came was a women's studies class where my professor did that, and then my research methods class. But besides that, that it wasn't until grad school, right? Research methods where it was like learning how to go through something that was peer reviewed yeah. with a fine tooth comb. Well, there was this hilarious thread on Twitter about like what was your favorite Twitter moment from 2020? And mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know, you forget and then you're reminded and it's hilarious all over again. Um, yes. Like, remember when everything was cake? No. Like, when they I would, don't. It would be a video of it looked like a pop can and then it would cut in half oh, and it was cake. Oh, I love <laughs> those. And then they gave it to us on Great British Bake Off, a Great British Baking Show. <laughs> right. But there'll be like a two day period where like everything's cake. I and love when on that thread, cake. there was several people referencing this news story that in a headline that said, um, man has nervous breakdown <laughs> trying to write. The kid bop version, kids bop version of WAP. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best story. I can't oh, wait to talk God. about it on Brain Kitty. That's but then, so funny. You know, it took me five seconds to look up the source and see that it was a satire, um, like the onion, but not. And I'm like, man, these people don't even know this is, did not happen. It's hilarious. Right. But. I was just like, people don't know, and they don't even I'm bother too bad. Checking. I was like, that is fucking hilarious, I wish and that it were would true. be almost impossible to write. <laughs> Can you imagine on Kids Bob? No. It's so funny. I mean, we'll hope that that happens someday, that somebody has a nervous breakdown trying to write a kid-friendly version of Walt. Oh, one can only hope. That's so funny. Uh, let's do a wind-down. 
Let's just wind it down, shall we? Yeah, just wind it. Wind oh, it right man. Let's so talk about how great Jive Talking is. When you listen to that song next time, at the very beginning, there's this like, it. it's like a percussive intro and it's like what instrument is that but they were describing how they were driving over the uh, bridge and their tires were going over like the rumble strips yes and so they wanted to make that a beat in the song and now when i hear it i'm like it's so cool oh my gosh i love those kind of things me too then that um, is super fun well then don't don't if you find any pornography do not do not destroy it because you might Whoa. get sued. Yeah, I mean, just let it go. Just like, and if you have, if your parents threw out your old stuff, just like move on, move on. Take it as a sign. Get another hobby, preferably <laughs> one that w- involves you wearing pants. Uh, we learned that Sarah hates cursive. I don't. <laughs> I just don't need to hang on to. I'm just like that. I can let go of. But there was something I wanted to hang on to, and now I can't remember what it is. Mm. Old-timey well. things, hairdos. <sighs> ah, well, not cursive. Cursive I'm fine with letting go of. And uh, if you have a chess set, have a look at the oh night. Oh, my gosh. See if it's that a is dandy. so cool. Also, Susie should definitely watch The Queen's Gambit. You are going to, mm-hmm. Susie, you are going to love it. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. Okay. I know it. You will, you're going to. You're really going to like the show. I'm excited. Okay, the end. Yes, I can't wait for you to watch it. All right. Yeah. Well, I love you guys. So much. So glad I have <laughs> you guys. Leave the us best. a five-star review and subscribe, okay? Yeah. And we'll, we'll see you see next, next time. time. Bye. Bye. Did you know that everyone has an aura? Do you know what color your aura is? Maybe you have a fiery red personality or a quiet and calm blue or green. You could be an organized and methodical yellow or an explosive purple. Come join me, Mystic Michaela, on my podcast, Know Your Aura, to find out all about how your personality can be explained in colors. (laughs) 